1: I miss you. What's good internet? It's oh. Monday, March 30th. What's up, kato Why they put what's...
2: Oreos on the bottom of like a lasagna once? I hate it. kato what are you talking? We're I'm Tasty. doing an intro.
1: That I'm was sorry. Ble- bleeding. <laughs> we can't bring that. It's episode 303. I'm your host, Austin Walker. We're oh. joined by Rob Zachney, Patrick Klepik, and Ricardo Contreras, who you heard already talking about Oreos on lasagna, which I think is not that sort of energy we need to bring this week.
3: Cotto? <laughs> Hang on. I you know, know what? I don't right. approve of breaking into the intro. No, Patrick, we're doing this. I <laughs> don't approve of breaking into the intro, but I do need to know, like, lasagna lasagna, Italian lasagna? Or was it like or a dessert lasagna where an Oreo no. would make some sort of thematic? No. Sense? Mm-mm. No, this was like layers. This was It was like Garfield. Uh,
2: yeah, this was some yeah, cartoon ass shit for real. Like know, Garfield was, has
0: standards. I feel like Garf- Garfield would reject that and say make a new lasagna.
2: <laughs> there was Oreos on one on Here's the thing, the Oreos were the last layer put onto it. So it was like kind of normal lasagna layers just start out and then like a layer of focaccia bread just on top and then some meat and cheese and Ruh. pepperoni and then another <laughs> layer of focaccia bread and then a uh, fucking layer of Oreos. Um, it I was- don't bel- I
1: don't, this is, also I do appreciate briefly, Patrick, I do want to say I, I briefly appreciate uh, the belief that Garfield is a lasagna purist. I, I think that that-
0: Well, that's- no, I. So, uh, if I was to, to expand on that further, I believe he would still eat it. He would just tell you, <laughs> I reject this. And I then as you go off to eat the new lasagna, he would realize, well- I mean, it's still lasagna, and he would what? eat it, but mm-hmm. then he'd also have the new one cooking mm-hmm. um, and, and heading down the line.
1: I'm looking for this thing. Because That's a Monday lasagna.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Little shout out to my Garfield fans out there.
1: You know what it is. Oh, Jesus.
3: Garcast.
1: Yeah, welcome to the Garcast. Uh, Kado, I have, to, I have to tell you, huh? I've gone, you know... Um, I like as Research. a journalist. I always try to verify the claims of my sources. Yeah. to keep the source safe. I don't see this anywhere.
2: Anywhere? Shit, where did I see it? It was on Twitter, probably. Yeah, well, this a exists. lot of shit's That's, on Twitter. Yeah, right, kind <laughs> of not.
3: Together. Yeah, I think this is no. a this is a false no because memory. they
2: fucking cut they cut a slice out of that shit and showed you all of the fucking oh. horrible. Was, all, then I was this
0: was just like a parody of someone just making fun of these videos?" Like, yeah, what if you put Oreos in a lasagna? <sighs> in a lasagna. No. What if you that's,
1: put a hold on? Bread is that not pepperoni? the
3: aesthetic of Tasty? Is to make ridiculous shit? It, like, that's the thing. Is like Kato's example sounds unbelievable to me, but the problem is, it's only a little past what I consider <laughs> the threshold of believability for Tasty videos. Like, if you like, if I were presented with proof. I would probably not question it that much, right? I wouldn't be like, <laughs> "Oh, but what is the what is the uh, provenance of this of this evidence?" I would probably just be like, "Oh shit, that's real."
1: <sighs> I'm gonna leave it to our viewer to our listeners yeah. to uh, to find, find this shit. thing. I believe you that it exists.
2: <laughs> it exists. It was real.
1: This is not the time for me to go down a search uh, like a search hole, which is normally what I do in these moments. <laughs> Instead, we're gonna do a podcast about things that are not Oreo lasagna, which. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, eh, this week. You're like, yeah, we can just keep talking about this shit.
0: Honestly, you know what? You know, I'm sure we're gonna get into some, you know, how how we're all doing. I just want to know what Rob's cooking these days. Like, I feel hey, like Rob. I can mark the the where we're at in society based on where Rob's <laughs> kitchen is at. That's like well, people have different uh, markers. That's what like, it's called. Work.
1: Put your finger. The show, to, the hmm. Rob's cooking show, was just called Rob's Kitchen. It's straightforward, but mm-hmm. it's homey. You know yeah. what I mean? Come on over to Rob's Kitchen. that's it, it, perfect.
3: See, I think Patrick, though, was proposing, like, a Rob's Kitchen index. Which I see. Which would have <laughs> been, like... The Rob's Kitchen uh, scale. Yeah, it would have been, like, middle-class, try-hard Waffle House index.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, Do people I, know I about the Waffle House index? Is this a thing? I think, I think the
3: word is out now about the Waffle House I, no, I should make no. it... We should make it clear. Yeah, if if,
0: if there is one in four that doesn't know, then that it's worth repeating.
1: Uh, uh, Craig Fugate, or probably Fugate, but I like Fugate, uh, <laughs> former former head of FEMA. Quote: If you get there and the Waffle House is closed, that's really bad. The index is is an actual informal metric, but it's used by FEMA to determine the effect uh, of a storm and the likely scale of assistance required for disaster recovery. Oh. Green. Full menu, restaurant has power and damage is limited or no damage at all. Yellow, limited menu, no power or only <laughs> power from a generator uh, or food supplies may be, may be low. And red, the restaurant is closed, indicating severe damage or severe flooding.
3: Wow. Wobble so House think, is, about, think about it this way. Yes, go ahead. Um, the thing is it's really tough to do on site damage assessments all at once how do you get how do you get through to a reliable source? Mm-hmm. But every Waffle House location has a phone number that you can call right, and you can just like talk to the manager so like to an extent, you can take a really fast sample size of like what is happening in a region of the u s by calling these restaurants and <laughs> seeing what's going on. The thing that i've never understood about it is why is Waffle House this um What's the – this like man-of-war, ship-of-the-line t- like class <laughs> diner dining establishment that when every other restaurant, when your McDonald's yeah. are closed, when your Walmarts are shut down, Waffle House remains open. That, that's what I'm curious about, right? Like they what, have a like,
1: culture of it. They have a culture supposedly of good risk – this is all from Wikipedia – good <laughs> risk management and disaster preparedness. This is like – wow. what this is is definitely someone's pet like feature of the of the brand, right? Someone inside is like, I'm the defender of the fact that we will be up and running immediately. We I understand that the reason that Waffle House is successful is because this is the we are the heart of the people around us. And they will feel good about us indefinitely if we can open up quickly in these situations. Um and I think part of that is like straight up they just have generators ready to roll. They have a limited menu. So, so it isn't just someone's pet project. It's also they've invested in like processes for situations like this. They have a playbook for when the main when you know main power is knocked out, for when uh certain things are spoiled. You know what I mean? When the yeah. when the refrigerator has died. But How it's
3: remarkable make? that that shit hasn't been 100. cut. Right? Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. That yeah. somebody yeah. hasn't come yeah. along but like, you know what those you know what those generators would make us just <laughs> on the the aftermarket?
1: Right. Uh, totally. let's just
3: liquidate our socket generators. Do we really need to be open? Like uh, that's what's remarkable about it is like that Waffle House appears to be a chain that it is important and viable and responsible to remain in business as opposed to what is the, the general motif in American life, which is let's sell our redundancies. Uh, Let's eliminate, let's eliminate all the cushion we have Mm -hmm. uh, against unforeseen impacts and fuck those people.
1: Yeah, totally. There's a quote here. I'm not going to read the quote, but I do want to note the person who wrote its name is Dan stone King. Great, great! The mm. Dark Souls boss.
0: <laughs> A follow up to Tiger King.
1: <laughs> God, uh, I have to start work, working my way through it. I'm nervous. People have been giving me warnings.
0: We I, I find I watched the first 15 minutes. Like, like it, it hit, it, it hit the culture enough that like I'm on the yeah. back end of the meme. But I'm that's when I want to get in. I'm like, cool. Right. People are getting past this. Now's
1: my time to get in. Mhm. Mhm. Uh, how's everyone doing? How so, Rob? Your kitchen situation how How is the kitchen? Uh where's the kitchen where's the Rob's kitchen? Where's the RKI at right now? (laughs)
3: Um RKI is my artisanal goods producers are starting to get slammed. I've Uh, heard the i've heard I've
0: heard flour is legitimately hard to come by in Yeah, I have to use the store
3: brand. I don't have my King Arthur's anymore. (laughs) Um so I guess I might as well feed that to the uh sourdough starter uh once uh once I get that rolling. Yeast is like yeah, there is there is a shortage of yeast. Uh, there wasn't any available at the store uh, the last couple times I went, so now I'm down to my last like half canister of Fleischmann's, which does mean I need to figure out how to create like an actual like uh starter culture, like a
1: starter, right? Like this is the thing that's interesting about that is like that's that's not so much as there is a uh, you can't do anything. It just really removes the margin of error, right? Because you can't just rush out and buy more. You really got to nail producing it
3: yourself, right? And it, like the thing that's always made me hesitate is the starting stages of getting a starter created from just the yeast and bacteria. That's like just ambient, uh, around the Uh home. That's the tricky stage. Um, and once you have like a good starter culture, you are pretty much good to go as long as you keep feeding it. Uh But that opening stage is just kind of a pain in the ass and, uh, not entirely appetizing sometimes. So it's a bit like you invited, um, yeah uh, yeah a bit a bit like a little bit of like a bread monster in near home i think uh <laughs> in the in the early stages so I, but there's no choice like the thing that's going to allow us to really batten down hatches is the ability to continue producing uh you know bread here without having to go out so it uh, it just has to be done uh fortunately it appears things like uh you know, residue from beer and such can be used a little bit for this. So we'll see how that all goes. Um,
0: just, just take a napkin and just wipe down the counter. Like, we're good to go. There's a spillover from the night before.
3: Yeah, I, like if people have good advice, I'm I'm open to hearing it because like literally I'm just I, right now I'm pulling from like eight different things of half skimmed Uh and I don't even know how. You know what I mean? Like, like right now, I have a bunch of things that I haven't really vetted. How good is this person's information versus that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's entirely possible like what is rattling around my head right now is a really good recipe for food poisoning. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Don't but do that. You, no, I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a huge worry now with this. Uh, the pickling station we've set up, on the other hand, uh, I think that's going well. I think it's going well. Hell yeah. Uh, but I have a vague botulism fear. Mm. Um but that's that's just a phobia. That's not that's not founded on anything. Yeah. That's just my knowledge of like what is the gotcha. worst case in a pickling like in a home pickling <laughs> situation. Uh it's botulism. If you do everything right, what's the likelihood of it? None, basically. But nevertheless, I'm looking at it like is it going to be the pickles that gets me? Yeah. What gets me in the end? Yeah. Yeah. Is, 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 is (laughs) like, it is the red onion that's pickling right now. Is that the, is that the red death uh, at my masquerade? (laughs) Um, But no, the frustrating thing today is. So people have figured out that my town has a really good local dairy Mm. that provides you with a bunch of stuff. Uh And for a while, like that was kind of my little secret. (laughs) <laughs> um because i've been ordering for these from these folks for like a year uh, but now everyone has been like frantically googling hey how the fuck do i get like fresh dairy delivered to my home and so my reliable little milk delivery every week has just been thrown into chaos and uh <gasps> didn't even recognize my milkman today oh no uh, yeah complete stranger to me Have wow. they
1: hired up is that what's happened here or they've
3: just- they've hired up and then uh I think somebody also came along and swiped my first order. Um, Whoa. I call for a re-delivery. I was like, it's not, it's not here. Uh, the empties are gone and my delivery isn't here. So they sent someone back through and uh, dropped something off. But like, I am now paranoid that are the milk bandits out there? Are the there, <laughs> are, are there people pilfering my, my goods? You just have
1: to be a little more attentive to your milk.
3: Wrong. Well, that's like, I might have to put the empties out next next week, put the empties out and then go over to the tall grass and weeds and the roundabout near my apartment and just make camp there. I think
1: so. I think you're I think you're going to need to stand guard. I think ideally what you do is a, uh, a Robert Redford, Paul Newman sting operation. You know, um, I think you have to honestly get involved. I think you need to understand what the scale of the operation is, and not just who's who's grabbing a, a you know a, a bottle of milk here or there, but you know does this go all the way to the top? You have to figure out how big this entire this entire operation is, and maybe you could bring bring it down from the inside. It could be maybe a scandal
3: maybe. that brings down Northeastern Dairy. It's true. It really could.
1: <laughs> it really could. Uh, Patrick Cado, how are the two of you handling the current um, moment of our time?
0: <sighs> Man, it's. Uh, oh, wow. why and I take it? I, yeah, I mean, it's like I have two full time jobs basically. Right, um, is is the thing. Um, you know, we've found a dynamic with having Jessica home all the time, but uh, it's a it's really hard. Um, yeah. you know, my wife has a much less flexible job than than I do, and she's up against some time crunch stuff that just makes it where she has to be just really she's one of those people that's in meetings all day on a phone call so right. um she's like locked away in a room and gives me space bar. i can but it's like this very strange dynamic where it's like most i we try to shift it where it's like on non on podcast days she watches her for the time that i'm doing this or at least <laughs> as long as i can do it before she barges in <laughs> in the room as <laughs> as people have found on previous podcasts mm-hmm. um and then it's like okay well it's not like i'm taking a break from work it's like then i need to spend like, it's a whole different creative energy trying to keep her entertained because, you know, you you find the limits of screen time. You find the limits of the things you've done in the past. And the weather has been trash out here recently where on some level, while people weren't taking this really seriously, it was helpful because – uh, i didn't have to be always the 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 mean dad that's saying like we can't go near those kids because <laughs> yeah. those parents are irresponsible um uh now people are staying inside but boy that cuts off your ability to just do just walk around the block like she it was actually helped recently the 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 park district finally uh Illinois uh although it's a little bit behind some of the states and is supposed to be sort of a hot spot in a in a couple of weeks um has been really aggressive about precautionary measures and uh finally last week they uh they had informally shut down all of like the parks and stuff like that but now they formally went and did that because the assholes weren't abiding by it so now there's like you know like yellow tape and a big clothes sign and so at least now i can tell my daughter like look there's the clothesline. It's like, "Oh, that's because of the germs." Like, "Yes, that's because of the germs." Because otherwise, it was us walking by it and kids on the swings and me just like, "Okay, my kid's going to scream and cry because you decided to be the asshole that uh, can't handle um, telling your kid no." So, I don't know. It's it's like and weekends are even tougher because on some level, uh, during the week it's like, "All right, I'm going to I'm going to kind of ignore my kid for a little bit and work." <clears throat> and like that gives me something to do. And then on the weekend, it's like, cool, all that. No, you don't have that excuse anymore. It's just your kid all day. And also you have lost 95% of your tools to right. try and find things to do with them. And it's just, yeah, it's very, it's, 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 it's exhausting is what I would say.
3: <laughs> I identify with that a lot. It sounds a lot mm-hmm. like uh, having a dough rise a couple times. You just live according <laughs> to a schedule. It gets demanding. It gets pushy. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, you just have to be there. Uh, there's no of days off.
2: I mean, that's know, what
3: commitment and and and
1: responsibility really does look like. Kata, you want to talk you. about
2: commitment. You want to talk about running a small town, a small community on an island uh, having <laughs> in the to, time you know, of crisis. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> I to get up every day, you know, early, make sure you get those turnips. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Check those prices. <laughs> Check those prices. Uh, a friend of the site's. I won't name names. Mm. Someone maybe who used. To, well, see now if I if I'm too vague, it'll sound like I'm throwing the wrong person under the bus.
3: <laughs> oh, this is off to a good. Oh, start.
1: you know what? You know what? It was it was made public, so I can just I can I'm just gonna read uh, uh, some messages here from mm. Joel Fowler. Ah, very very pro tip: Do not time travel when you have turnips. <laughs> Um, uh, Joel bought a bunch Joel. of turnips, and then it hit twelve fifteen, and he had more money, so he time traveled to buy to a Hawaiian time Hold zone. On. What's up? Time travel? Uh, Change the you know, you know, gamers. Gamers gotta like make everything. Oh, they did do. he they do, do some grandize. international
3: dateline nonsense? He didn't. Not even
1: that. He just like rolled the clock back. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, like he just went like because the okay, so. Rob, every every day before every Sunday before noon, um you get a visitor to your town. Uh you get Daisy May to the town, who is of <laughs> course the granddaughter of Sal was it Sal Joan?
3: Yeah uh
1: Sal Joan. Uh these of these characters of course are on the stock market, uh, and sell you turnips uh at a price, and then throughout the week you can flip those turnips for more money uh in the in the shed at the like the main shop. And Time travel is when you, when you, you know, move the clock around. In this case, what, what Joel did was moved it back to when uh, Daisy May, this little pig girl, was still around selling turnips. The game knows you do that, and so spoils your turnips. And suddenly this huge investment Joel had made had evaporated into rotten turnips covered in flies and ants. Uh, and so... Uh, that's my advice to you: is don't time travel. You can't win. You can't win stocks by trap by time traveling. Yeah. You got to win them the right way. Good old American insight and determination.
2: Right, by selling them
1: within the week that you bought them. By finding someone right. online you never <laughs> met before and going to their town and selling them for a six hundred percent markup.
3: I think the most American way of handling that would be to force the government to buy your yes. rotten right. turnips at yeah, yeah, the six hundred percent markup. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. you're totally right 100
1: uh, percent. fuck um yeah well uh that's that's my advice kato your how is your animal Crossing? we're talking about video games now let's do a quick uh, actually quick yeah. animal crossing check-in
3: yeah how yeah. you doing
2: good i got mabel mabel has clothes for me me now. too I'm, i got some got good shit. fashion I going some good on shit. it's good it's yeah. great um it's been it's been going well in there i mean um i'm getting new i've, I've got the campsite set up so i'm getting new visitors Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I can get rid of some of my normies. Cause,
1: uh... Oh, are you getting ready? You're going to like flip people out? You're going to be like, What's get happening? off my fucking island. I yeah. want better people? Oh, I <laughs> mean,
2: some of them are just like, uh, come on, we can do better than this. <laughs>
1: This is what your crisis management mayorship. i uh, sorry, you're a re- you're a resident you're the resident, resident representative.
2: Representative, yeah. Yeah.
1: That means that you have a responsibility. Those are your constituents you're getting rid of because they're quote unquote too normy. I'm no, sorry Austin. I'm sorry that your district doesn't represent the the demographic you you wish it did, but god. they elected you.
3: Austin, a society is like a bonsai plant. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> oh my and god. god. It needs a careful gardener <laughs> slash sculptor. And if Kado has a vision, I have say a what vision. will, at I least a- it's a vision. <laughs> uh, you know what? Train, I think it's but... a different
1: type of a different type of tree. I, I suspect it's more like the tree of liberty. Uh, and I think it may be time to water it. <laughs> if Kado is our is our tyrant. Anyway, so good. The, so it's going well. They yeah. all said it's going well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That game is great. It's opened up. It opens up more than I thought it would after the residence building is there. Like, there's a yeah. lot more to kind of chase a little bit. You can I really bought, pick your,
1: accident, your I, thing. I, huh? You can really pick your goal at that point right. and say, okay, what am I going to slowly work towards? Right.
2: Um, I accidentally bought a Godzilla without realizing that there was also an upgrade for your pockets in that up when when the <laughs> resident <laughs> services opens
1: I, I hate it when i when i buy a godzilla <laughs> like, when uh, i could have gotten a bigger pocket instead
2: yeah um um yeah like there's a bunch of new things that you can buy for nook miles like finally i understand what nook miles are for and it's basically yeah. for a bunch of ridiculous uh decorations which are fun one of them being a godzilla and also the Rather recipe. Than being a,
1: a recipe for a Gundam, which yep. I'm working on. Uh-huh. Uh, it's gonna that take thing me a long requires time, a lot of fucking materials, huh? It does. The hard thing is going to be those rusted parts, which How only show up. How do you even get those? They show, when... up in, in, they show up in the um, Lost and Found sometimes, and then, yeah, when Gulliver shows up, if you don't turn in the things to Gulliver, you get to keep them as rusted
2: if parts. If he strand him?
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's going to get stranded anyway. His friends don't love him. Don't worry <laughs> about him. Uh, That's true.
2: Fine. They don't answer. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. So that's about where I am now, too. Able Sisters has opened up. I feel like I'm in the part. Of, I've gotten to the part of the game where I was like, yeah, let me pump the brakes. Like, I, I got all my stuff right. set up. I can now check in for 30 minutes or an hour or two hours instead of right. playing the game like a new release, um, which is also part of the thing. I ended up um, thinking about this after our last episode. Or I meant to say it during our, our Animal Crossing episode. But I think part of the reason you see a lot of games journalists go really hard on this game in this moment is because other big games are like literally here. Um, and we need to get the shit off our plate or get to the part of the we have to get like the tutorial off our plates so that we can go on to play Resident Evil 3 or Final Fantasy 7 remake or Mountain Blade Banner Lord. Another huge release dropping. Oh, today. you know, the, tri-
0: the trilogy of March games, the ones on everyone's tongue, the Mount <laughs> 7, After, RE3, do not
1: and Mountain Blade.
0: You're the
3: Mountain get- Blade people are going to come for you you damn, damn right we are waiting in the hills. <laughs> oh, God, Austin's one of them. They're yeah, Austin's yeah. Fucking leading they're the inside. Charge. The, they're inside the walls. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I am uh, that game rules. I have 40 hours in Warband. I wish I had 400 um, and uh, I'm excited for Mountain Blade. Uh, the new Mountain Blade Banner Lord Mountain Blade 2 Banner Lord to come out or it's out now. I'm excited to play it today. Uh, but but yeah,
0: I, I like the, I like the alternative uh, interpretation of that title, which is Mountain Blade. Like, yeah, ah, <laughs> I'm going after the Mountain Blade. The Mountain
1: Blade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Blessed by the gods. <laughs> um, those games, those games fucking slap. Honestly, 1200 reviews already. Very positive. Drop nice. today. Are they
0: wow. still largely made by like it's like a couple?
1: It's right? a, a, like I, I, be- I believe it's still a tiny studio. My guess is it's probably more than that t- that couple now. But, but it's origins
0: guess. are right, like that. This couple kind of made this like. I
1: have,
0: at least I remember that being the origin story of that. Yeah, no, that is like yeah,
3: yeah. The the original Mountain Blade was like a two person project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which for how good it was, was astonishing. And for how yeah. big it was, it uh, was astonishing. Um, I'm so curious if... It gets if less it, astonishing given how long this has taken.
1: Yes. And then also it's been, there have been a lot of medieval combat games in the time since, uh, in terms of like chivalry. What? And what was that big one last year that people loved? Lord Howe? M- that one. That one for sure. But it's a different thing because it's also a strategy, like role-playing thing in some ways. Yeah, I was
2: going to say, so. what are these games? Because I... have uh, we don't one. need
1: to have, we can do this set. Let's do this segment next. Let's do this back, segment on when you, when on, you played on it. When I yeah. played it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you can go check it out. Mountain Blade, Mount and Blade. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can we talk about some of those, those upcoming new releases that I teased that I said were coming out? Patrick, <laughs> I know you've been playing one of them.
0: Uh, yeah, I have played, uh, at least according to Matthew Galt, who wrote our review that just went up. I think I'm about halfway through. Uh, Resident Evil Three, um, a game I am crushed to report I don't think I like at all. Oh,
3: um, no. <laughs> oh, no,
1: no, no! Uh, oh, this is this we... head is terrible. Oh no, the head yeah, is fine, head... but it's a it's... yeah.
0: Yeah, the headline of Matthew's review is uh, Resident Evil Three is a crushing disappointment, and I uh, or boring disappointment, which actually is more. It's crushing, it's... but boring is more accurate oh. to um what it's like to to play the game. I mean to it's it's such an interesting game to play um relative to Resident Evil 2 and thinking about Final Fantasy 7 <clears throat> coming up in 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 a couple of weeks. Um because when we're entering an era where the remakes mean something to me, right? Like if you remake Super Mario Brothers 1 or something like it's interesting but I was so young that I didn't grow emotional attachments to those games. I enjoyed yeah. them, but it wasn't until you like you hit you know around your teenage years where you start like really like grounding yourself in in those formative experiences. Like Final Fantasy VII is one of those for me. Resident Evil is one of those for me. And so um, like playing Resident Evil Two, which I consider to be more or less a perfect remake. It's it's such a smart uh, way to. Uh, what I always imagine, you know, remakes gonna kind of tackle things in different ways. But if if when I imagine what it felt like to play Resident Evil 2 as a child, like playing that now playing that update feels like they just plucked it from my brain and just boop that's exactly what it was like back in 19 you know 98 or whatever and like that is the exact feeling is recreated here and it's updated it's tweaked it's new you know new technology but it feels like it it's capturing the same energy um down to the fact that the last third of the Leon Kennedy campaign sucked back then and it sucks now and they should have just like done something different instead of just uh taking that from RE2 RE3 has like was like that team, this isn't the team that worked on at Resident Evil 2, it's a different team, um, was faced with like a a, a much tougher problem because RE3 was always just <clears throat> it wasn't ever a particularly good, it had a good idea, which was like, what if you take the tyrant type character and like these lumbering Jason Voorhees, uh sort of like slasher villain characters, these um unkillable, uh, uh lumbering creatures that stalk you throughout the game. And what if that was the the whole game? What if that was the entirety of it? Um, and then having played, but, but RE3 was just kind of a boring game. Like that's it. People remember the nemesis part. It's an iconic design. It's, it's, it's an interesting premise, but it wasn't a particularly good video game. And so as opposed to RE2, which is, it's not one-to-one, but it's one-to-one ish of like, just take what was there and, and just, you know, uh, just make it shiny and polished and brand new in, in 2019. Um, Resident Evil 3 was faced with well actually we're going to have to kind of make a n- almost a new video game. You can take the story beats, take the characters, take Nemesis, but you're you're faced with uh if you were to just take it one to one, uh that would be a difficult translation to do. Um and especially having played RE2 where the Mr. X character um, it, w- it was truly terrifying. Is one of I, you know, the, the the more distance I have from Resident Evil Two, the more I feel it is, it, you know, one of the <clears throat> the moments in Resident Evil Two where I would be on a, the, like the first floor of the police station and would hear the creaking sounds of Mister X on the second floor, and I could I, I could know where he was positionally in that police station as I was trying to make my way. You know with a weird you know uh clover key or something, or I'm trying to sweep up the last couple items, and then hearing him getting closer, naturally, the extension of it is like, but what if you did that for an entire game? Maybe that could be really interesting, and they just didn't solve that problem because nemesis is not interesting. Nemesis is not some lingering threat that is constantly stalking you throughout Resident three I mean like he they they are. Uh, but it's mostly just set piece stuff, right? Like you're kind of going about a place and then occasionally Nemesis shows up and then his logic, like the, the, the logic of the creature doesn't make any sense. Like he stalks you, can destroy – like in the cutscenes, it's demonstrated he has unlimited power. He can like crush through buildings, like things n- – nothing stands in his way. But when he's actually chasing you in a, in a sequence in Resident Evil 3 – well, boy, he's just having trouble going into the door of that toy store. And he's just going to stand around the corner and stare at you <laughs> through that window. Um, and he doesn't, like, go to an idle animation. He doesn't, like, walk off to do something oh. else. He just stares at you and then... Just becomes a guy in the parking lot. Yeah, and then, like, you'll open the door and he'll be like, Oh, time to make stars. And he'll, like, what? lumber his way over to the door. What? And then you'll back up. What? And then he just stare. Well... <clears throat>
1: Time to so that's make what the what to the Dunkin Donuts guy. Yeah, is <laughs> think a new job. Uh,
0: well ne- <laughs> time Nemesis's to whole make thing the stars. Is, uh he's uh, been he's been engineered. I don't know how this works, but he's he's been bioengineered to only go after stars, which is the uh you know like the police force that you know found the you know the, the mansion in Resident Evil 1 and then has like dedicated themselves to taking down an Umbrella. And Nemesis does not Go after random civilians. This is not just like a, a bioweapon that's like going after everyone. It just a, it walks around going stars. Well, if uh, I quit
1: are, stars, does it stop coming after coming after me? I think
0: me? he knows. I think he knows, but I you know I, I uh, I'm not as rich on The <laughs> That's your the paperwork. Detailed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Oh. He's like, I put in my two weeks, Nemesis. Like, leave me alone. You're oh, still you, on Cobra benefits. Go <laughs> close enough. <laughs> um and so you know he has like an expanded move set like he can he can uh, brandish guns he can, he has like this tentacle he um can like shoot out with his arm but it's just not it, it's not fun to interact it doesn't feel like a system designed creature in which you're trying to be clever realistically what you end up doing is that in the occasional times when he's chasing you um what's new in Resident Evil 3 is you have uh at least when you're playing as Jill Valentine you have a dodge move, and if you time that dodge correctly, you can kind of evade almost anything. Like, the screen goes white, and it, like, is saying, like, hey, like, good job. Like, you, you made it past the thing. Um, and you can do that with uh, Nemesis as well. And so it's, like, he'll be, like, winding up for a big punch. It's like, whoosh, dodge. But the thing is, like, you're running forward, and he's chasing you from behind. And the difference in... Old Resident Evil, which had yeah. like you know fixed camera perspectives that were largely uh, you know like isometric in often uh, was the case. It would give you like a a very specific overview of um, an area, and if it was doing something that was stylistic, it was like what it was hiding was part of the point. Like it was trying to be that was how it was generating tension. But a lot of camera angles in Resident Evil Three were like if you go and watch like a a, a, a let's play, it's like a lot of them are higher up, over on top of Jill Valentine specifically because it's trying to give you, like, a lay of the land for how to, like, dodge Nemesis. Um, and here you don't get anything like that. It's a it's a behind-the-shoulder, third-person game. And so there's all these moments where it's just, like, I don't even know what Nemesis is doing. It's I know it's chasing me, but I'm just kind of, like, slapping the the dodge button every couple of seconds when I feel like maybe it's behind me. And then occasionally Nemesis will be like, ah, you've gotten— Stars, you've gotten too far from me. Kinda sounds piratey-ish the more I try to <laughs> yeah. do this voice for Nemesis. Um he can jump in front of you and like he'll like, you know, like stomp on the ground. Um and you know, I guess what typified it was I I just did this boss fight that takes place on the top of a roof and it's supposed to it's the first time uh where you're supposed to like load bullets into Nemesis. Um you, you know, he's he's an unkillable Is that code machine. For shoot? Yeah, um, well, yep. <laughs>
3: And uh, <laughs> gotta load some bullets into this guy uh-huh. if you get what I am saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you re- I mean, because they're just lodged in there, so you're just kinda loading them into him. I'm not sure the bullets are really doing a whole lot necessarily. Um But you know you're not encouraged to like waste any of your ammunition uh on Nemesis until like this sequence. Um and then you're just supposed to dump, you know, whatever grenade launcher, whatever shotgun stuff you have into him so you can just kind of slow him down and you can escape. And the the, the set piece is uh, a rooftop where there's nowhere to get a, get away. Um, it, it is uh, uh, an, like an electrical circuit breaker that's, of course, on the fritz. And, like, right before you get up there, there's a note that says, By the way, we've put those circuit breakers up there and they're on the fritz. Definitely don't shoot them or sparks would go everywhere. Um, which, on some level, could be charming. But the way this game plays it is just not particularly like charming in its... Uh, uh, so sort of like weird straightforwardness of uh, what it's communicating, and so he gets up there it's the first time he can use the flamethrower, and I just walked in a c- circle around these two sets oh. of uh, pieces of wood, and I'd wait for him to empty the you know his flamethrower. Liquid, I don't know. Like, what, what goes in a flamethrower? Liquid, exactly. Liquid? It's liquid, Is it just gas, fuel? and it's in yeah. the it's a,
1: fuel. It's, a, it's probably a special sort of fuel, right? It mm-hmm. sticks on things as part of what it does. Anyway, yeah. we don't need and to so, get into the particulars of flamethrowers. They're gross.
0: <laughs> um, And I just, yeah, I never got hit, was never in danger. I just walked in these, like, slow, methodical circles, would peek out, hit him with the grenade launcher, and then, you know, the cutscene rolled. And it's just... It's not a scary game. It's not a tense game. It's not a very interesting game. I, I, you know, you don't want to like review the game that you wanted it to be instead of the game that it is. But my hope for Resident Evil Three was to take Mr. X and the the, the, the systems of Mr. X of a, a thing that is stalking you, and that what is you as a player? What tools do you have? Whether it, in Resident Evil Two, there weren't tools. It was just like using your audio cues and your survival instinct. Um, to just avoid uh, him. Right. Um, this doesn't build on that in any meaningful way. I mean, Resident Evil games prior to RE4, uh, where RE4 went full action, and RE3 was about that transition between those two. It was, it, RE3, uh, uh, you know, RE2 started it to some degree. RE3 picked it up, right. and it was just you know, it, um, Resident Evil as a series followed the arc of a lot of horror mov- movie series. It was just that eventually it can't be scary, so it you know the set pieces are. Uh, become more grandiose to to make up for that. Um, and Resident Evil 3 just doesn't even try to be scary. And and specifically, you know, part of the, the arc of an RE game is usually like, ah, for the first, like, half, you're going to have to conserve your ammo and, like, be careful about your shots. And then by the second half, if you've been, you know, a hoarder, you're going to be an unstoppable killing machine and you're going to have way too much stuff at the end. Like, that's just kind of how the game, the way the games are built. And this game is like, what if... We just do that immediately. And like within the first hour, it's like I have way too many handgun bullets. I have way too many shotgun bullets. Um, you know, there's one of the cool new enemies is like, I don't know what I'm to describe it. It's kind of like a pinkish flesh face. And then it hmm. opens up and it's got these uh, really creepy mandibles. It's a, kind of like a Cthulhu-esque you know, ask sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and when the first time I encountered it um, – it was like very scary because it like lunges forward as it opens up and you kind of like spam the shotgun and just try and get as many shots as you can get. It. It's like a, it takes a lot to get down. It's It was a really threatening fight. And like literally around the corner from that enemy was uh, the grenade launcher and flame rounds and a note that says, hey, by the way, these things are very susceptible to fire. and It kind of instantly kills them. And then I found like seven more of them, but I just shot them with the flame rounds and killed them with one shot from a distance. Uh And it's like,
1: what are are, are we doing here? Why even put them there?
0: Yeah, so the game is just full of... Of, of Patrick, like I
1: just want you to know that was the most Brecken-esque I've ever heard your voice raise. <laughs> what are we? What are we even doing here? It was extremely <laughs> Nick Brecken voice. Um, here's my question. Here's like my actual biggest question is when I sure. played Resident Evil Two, the thing that that really really brought me in was that feeling of clearing spaces, of like effectively moving across this map. Um, and feeling like, hey, there was this it – was, it was all the stuff that had nothing to do with the action, which suggests to me that I'm not necessarily going to love this game. But like no. when I think about that game, it isn't even the horror because if you remember, like that didn't hit me directly. But it was that feeling of exploring a space, finding keys, clearing out rooms, knowing I didn't have to go back to a room, slowly piecing together, go to point A, go to point B, go to point C, jump across the map here, run away from, from Mr. X. Like that stuff was fantastic. I just – it wasn't – it wasn't – frightening to me, but it was really adrenaline, you know, it really gave me a big, mm-hmm. a good dose of adrenaline, and I liked it as an action game, and I've been looking forward to Resident Evil 3, because I, what I'd hoped was it would give me that part of the feeling, even if it, because of its more actiony y um, uh, uh, angle, wasn't wasn't trying to do the horror thing as, as hard, I was hoping that it would still give me this sort of, like, almost Zelda dungeon clearing feeling. Um, is that just gone here, because it's so focused on set pieces, or...?
0: It's it's just so it's a much more linear game, and you know, RE RE two um, at times, mostly in the the uh, police station. Again, this is through the Leon Kennedy route. That's I know that you did the Claire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, They're still very uh, similar, though. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, like the police station for at, at various points feels very open ended. Like you have different options, even though if you like look back, like it's you know it's it's it it, it it's very funnel uh, mm-hmm. driven. But there are times where it feels like such a big space and you know you get a key and it's like oh now i have six different things i i, I could go be doing and i'll go check check yeah. those off yeah. as i i work through the the new layer of the the place that i've unlocked um and there just isn't at the point that i'm at um for what i understand you know i didn't pl- RE3 i didn't actually play on the ps1 for for whatever reason um so this has been new to me altogether and talking to Uh, Galt, he said that there is at least one location, the hospital, that is the closest this game gets to like a a larger space that you're spending a lot of time in. Mm. I'm assuming that must be like around the corner for me and must be like take up most of the back half of the game because I haven't gotten to that sequence yet. But otherwise, no, you are going through very strict linear sections where, um, (laughs) like the thing they've done in Resident Evil 3 is uh, you'll go through a space we're you're really just going forward, um, from from one section to the next. There's not a lot of um, exploration, or uh, and actually in, in this case the it still has the mechanic of in your map it it doesn't turn blue until you've collected all the items, which mm-hmm. was very useful in Resident Evil Two. Yeah, I thought I that it. worked really well for you being able to to find everything. I found that to be like a a very satisfying uh a part of the exploration. Here, because the environment's all that interesting, because there's not that much to look at or do, what I ended up doing is like I'd walk into a space, and then the first thing I do is like, is this one blue already immediately? Cool. I'm just gonna just just run to the door on the opposite end, avoid these zombies. It like took me out of the experience um in a way that was working much differently than Resident Evil 2. And even in the spots where they're uh they're trying to harness some of that, it's just I don't know. I I didn't find that. Maybe there's something unique to being in a confined, like, uh, constrained space, and you know, working through the layers of that. um, Because Resident Evil Three is much more exploring parts of the uh, broken parts of Raccoon City as the the outbreak uh, spreads. Like Resident Evil Three, I believe the timeline is it takes place before Resident Evil Two, and then during Resident Evil Two. I don't know where the timeline ends, but like there are are moments where in Resident Evil Three where it fills in some character stuff for. Uh, 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 moments in Resident Evil 2, which are which are kind of cool if you if you care about that stuff. Um, But no, there's really like that kind of Metroidy style. Uh, elements are just not here nearly to the same degree. Like the closest it gets to it is you'll when you're going through an area, some doors will be locked because they have like a chain, and eventually you can get you know uh, chain cutters or like there's like this universal Raccoon City like lock that your lockpick can get through that is is everywhere. Um and so you'll carry one of those in an inventory slot and when you go back through a space, um, you'll unlock those. I mean, just to give you an example of like how crude and rudimentary the this game over and over in the same way that I mentioned the the flame rounds being found around the corner from an enemy type that then immediately um sort of neutralizes the the tension of that enemy type. So One of the first major puzzles in the game, slight spoilers, I guess, um, is uh, a safe where you need to find the combination, like classic Resident Evil puzzle. um, That uh, you, I'm like, okay, well, I'm looking all through the the room that I was in, like maybe it's here. And so, like, I'm spending all this time looking at this painting, be like, maybe there's like a hint in here, like it's the leaves, and you know, and it becomes clear, no. That's just a goddamn painting. You can just keep walking and then you'll probably come across <laughs> something that informs you on what to do. And what you did is like I walked down. I went across the street to, you know, some convenience store. And in in that convenience store, I think, uh, did you, Austin, you did you see in the discord that we're in in the main channel? I put I pasted it earlier. I, I might have to scroll back a little. I'll bit. look for no, it. What's on. up? Gonna,
1: you got it. Is it, is it uh, when a friend of ours, Matt Kessler, shared the incredible song Intr- uh, "Into Free Dongan from Dragon's Dogma? Is that what you're talking about? Another fine no, Capcom is, product? No, it
0: is not that. Here, it is. This. Oh um, yes,
1: I did see this.
0: So I walk into this convenience store and I'm wondering, like, how are they going to cleverly hide the 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 combination for this safe? And like, no, it's just on this this Poster of a highly sexualized woman promoting aqua care. Aqua and cure, then
1: please. Escape aqua to cure, es- please. That, Sorry. To
0: ecstasy. Uh, um, and there are these numbers on it that have been circled, and it's not even like the game, like like hey, figure out which one is left, right, left. It it, it has <laughs> left, arrows right laughed on it like as though like wow. he, he wrote <laughs> the one that's missing here is that he didn't do it in his own blood with his hands <laughs> yeah. like to, to mark it. Um, it's, really, it's just really it's really It's so obvious like it's like if Nemesis itself is a brute force obvious object that's what everything else in RE3 feels like is a brute force obvious object. Yeah. It feels like they nailed the aesthetic part of it. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. There is some wonderful body horror stuff going on here. If you, you know, like the kind of gr- like the grotesque um, stuff that is sometimes uh, part of what I find like really appealing and interesting about Resident Evil. Um, a lot of that's here. It is amazing to look at. And Nemesis is, is really creepy and weird. It's just not that fun to play. And uh, I, I find myself disappointed at, just how limited the imagination was for what this interaction with nemesis could be. Um, That said, it seems like it's like, you know, it's like eight hours. Like it's, it's, it's like, it's fine. Like it's absolutely fine. Like I'm, once I accepted what it was and that normally when I play a horror game, it's like, turn down the lights. I'm gonna get a drink i'm gonna make sure actually the fireplace isn't on too much because if it's too high then like it takes it's like actually makes it a little harder to see the uh the dark colors on on the projectors like i've got i've got this ironed out like this and i'm not doing any of that in resident evil 2 like my kids running around i'm like it's fine jessica like the game's not making any attempt to scare me so i'm not gonna make any attempt to like meet it halfway on like setting up the uh the perfect atmosphere around me. So, um, mm-hmm. it's a okay beautiful action game, but relative to the highs of RE2 and what I thought was possible for RE3, it's it's not what I was I was looking for. So, I think go go in with proper go in with adjusted expectations and I think I think people will be maybe able to meet the game where it is as opposed to what I was hoping it could be.
1: Well, that is the biggest disappointment of my day so far. But it's not even noon yet, so you know we'll see how the rest. (laughs) give it time.
0: You know the news these days has a way. Exactly.
1: (sighs) Um, Let's take a break while I bemoan the fact that I won't be able to. I mean, I'm still going to probably try to play this game. I was looking forward to it a lot, and and uh, it's an easy
0: play, right? Like it's it's like it's it's it's, it is very much a turn your brain off. Yeah. uh, Like you know, it's progress um, through a thing progress through a thing like it's it's, it's i gotta fine. say it's when just that re2 i thought was is, sublime is, is, yeah it yeah. is it is it is, tr- is truly great yeah. um and this this is just not
1: anywhere the anywhere um the uh the biggest bummer for me here or it, i remember when this was announced going it's coming out it's coming out next year that's quick and i hadn't yeah. really i mean i of course had thought like oh well, maybe there was they're already starting work on it blah 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 blah. but i really wish they had taken another year to do to go over all of this design, it sounds like, and 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 maybe do more than just, like, make certain <sighs> encounters better, but rethink how to make this game in a, in a stronger way. I don't know.
0: I think for the way they're <clears throat> approaching making these games, that this is what they arrived at makes sense. Because if you look at what they did and didn't do to Resident Evil 2, um, not that there wasn't a lot of work put into that game, but it wasn't it's not like a fundamental reimagining of Resident Evil 2 right it is it is it it, it is it is not is it is both not as simple as just a new coat of paint but it is not as complex as developing like a brand like starting from scratch and just taking some base level elements like it is still very much the core of Resident Evil 2 that original game and what made it work and i think for better and worse that's that's also what this is too like and it was playing with a much more flawed foundation and they didn't put in the effort to rethink what is that foundation? What if we tossed out, like, a bunch of it and just, like, reimagined what Resident Evil 3 could be and what it means to interact with this creature? And so I, I see why they arrived at this. And I think if this, if what, what Capcom is going to be doing over the course of, like, the next, you know, five years is more than likely taking the same approach to the entire franchise, right? Like, I don't know if they'll go as far as Resident Evil 4 or Code Veronica, which would be more... um you know uh ambitious or maybe not right because i think right. the ambition is the the disappointment is that these remakes aren't that ambitious they are they're working within the constraints of those original designs and then adding 2020 or like modern and uh, flourishes and mm-hmm. technological stuff and 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 mechanical advancements but RE2 was not a fundamentally flawed game if you were just to take that to now RE3 kind of is and so if they just move on to to a Uh, uh, a Resident Evil 4, that's still a really good game. And if all you gave that was modern graphics, it's still going to be like a really good game. But like a Code Veronica, a game that was only good because it was a uh, Dreamcast, a Resident Evil game and the visuals were spectacular. That game does not (laughs) hold up at all. If you gave that game this treatment, it's still going to have all those problems. And so um, honestly, like my my, my final note on this, because I know we're about to break, was just that I would the RE2 team was so smart. Boy, I'd, I wish Capcom would just let them go make a new Resident Evil yeah. game in that style. Yeah. Um, I'll take, you know, if they if they task them with an RE4 or, or a Code Veronica, I think they'll do a terrific job because they had a real eye for for what to tweak um and, and where to approach what, what they can improve and 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 innovate on. Um but boy, would I love that the cadence of Resident Evil going forward was like a team like theirs doing a, a more quote unquote traditional Resident Evil while experimental first-person stuff is happening from another Another team, team. that just sounds
1: really exciting. The thing that I'm curious about at this point is like, okay, is next year first-person Resident, another first-person Resident Evil from that team? I don't know what the team divides are at Capcom, to be 100% clear, but like, is that the next thing, and then we get an RE2 team project that is... New or maybe the year after that is another. What I would have loved would have been a th- is like the Call of Duty system, right? Where there's three teams working <laughs> yeah. on three things. Mm-hmm. Where we get a remake, a first person game, and then a new sequel from now. The re two team that is better than the new sequels that we were getting in you know the per- like the six and the seven and the yeah. There's yeah, it seems seven with like the last of in one, that, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's, it kind of seems like they're in that direction. Whether it's as formalized as you know how Activision got that way, it's like. You know the whether you, it doesn't there's some pretty informed um, folks in the horror community that it sounds like you know re eight which was supposed to be first person has like run into some development troubles and right. has, you know kind of got pushed back uh, a year or so so um, you know we'll we'll, we'll see, see I, yeah. I agree with you I think I that meant six would be really I, cool. I
1: meant five and six by the way I said I said six and seven which were bad I, I did say, not mean that seven was bad I meant yeah. five and six I meant I meant
2: seven uh, was like the, the good the, one the right five ha-
1: five <laughs> seven seven of the co-op by, that people
0: seven like. is yeah, I I think 7 is 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 a masterpiece. Uh and some 6 has you're, you're off the you know, 6 is just as bad. 6 is uh, the one that was just like I,
1: went became like a campy oh, it's like action. It's 30 hours long too. I cool. played that whole game with Brad and we it was
0: mostly just our emotional energy uh uh the audacity of the game propelling us forward is like, "All right, I'm 15 hours in." I, What am I going to do? Stop now? Mm -hmm. Like, no way. I'm going to see this all the way through. And RE5, I know, has its defenders, despite it being like a patently racist video game. Um, Uh I know that some people do defend that game's co-op as being... Like, if you look at it as an action game with exceptional co-op, apparently it's good. It's just I I tried to play it as a single-player game and didn't like it. And then, yeah, and you know. Can you imagine what the... And Guy, the only person who raised those comments about that I know, game dude, and how controversial they were at the time, I, how that would be, well, one, I don't think that game would get made. Now, no probably
1: um no and i'll be and making to see those comments they, was like such a big part of me and then getting the really the backlash to those comments uh mm-hmm. to that to, it was like a newsweek blog post basically um at the time um probably some tweets but i think it was before i was and even he on was twitter also
0: on um he was i remember oh right he was on the uh, podcast. one of, one right? of yours was right. uh really big at that time and i remember that's that, uh, that was a poolside. That It was a pod. big deal. That, was, yeah, that was, was a... was one of like the E3 ones. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, at,
1: at, the, at the fig. Um, and... Uh, yeah, he went in on on some of the visual language of, of that initial trailer, um, which was very much wielding blackness as a club, wielding Africa as a as a, as a weapon against uh, sort of like, you know, to produce a, a sense of terror and fear, um, explicitly presenting like white protagonists, white women in danger from black men as like the way to stoke the viewer or the player's uh, sense of terror. and like, guy was 100% on point. Well, but Austin,
0: it was made in Japan. Yeah, no, remember, you know? so remember <laughs> though
3: how generous guy was. Oh, right? 100%. He was like, now he no, like, just, the, yeah. the whole thing got boiled down to is guy Krull saying this game is racist? And he was 100%. saying, no, these images have a history. That was the phrase he kept coming back to yeah. was these portrayals, these images have a history mm-hmm. that is connected with racism. And that was a really generous interpretation, but nevertheless, like it was a real grim foreshadowing of how this discussion would always go where critique of a pretty obvious aesthetic direction and influence and subtext gets boiled down to, Oh, this game is this game is racist. And it's like, it may not even have like a racist pedagogical purpose. It just is swimming in a really tainted pool at this point. And, uh that's always how this discussion has gone ever since then
1: yeah uh and it was it, that that the pushback on that the like complete refusal to engage with the argument in the way that you're talking about Rob the way in which a very particular argument was being deployed and it was immediately turned into he said capcom was racist uh is it was a huge motivator for me to like want to get into this space because it it became Increasingly clear that it was not just like, hey, no one's hired anyone black before <laughs> at one of these major sites. Is hey, there's only like three people, black people I know who have salary jobs in this industry. It, it was also like, oh, and it turns out once you get that job, you are expected to stay out of those sorts of conversations. You should not have uh, any expectation of of having your particular experiences trusted or your your perspectives and, and expertise. Uh, you know be allowed to be brought to bear uh, in situations like this. And it was like so infuriating at the time. Shout outs to Guy Kroll, who who has always been very nice. Uh, and and yeah, also – His voice is missed. I miss – yeah, I was going to uh, say like – all this stuff. One of those very selfish moments of like, man, yeah. man, what's the, what do the 2010s look like if NGuy stays in game crit? You know? Um, mm-hmm. And the answer is the 2010s look like the 2010s, but I get to read from someone else I respect a <laughs> great deal. Um, shout outs to to Guy. Uh, all right, we should take That's a break. When
3: bloggers wrote essays.
1: That's yeah, the good old days. <laughs> God. All right, let's take a quick let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Uh, Rob, how are things going on on your end besides the trying to find a yeast starter? What are you, what are you doing to occupy your that like, gaming part of your brain in this, in this moment?
3: Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm making all kinds of questionable decisions. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So it hit me this last week where I'm like, this is starting to psychologically just wear on me a little bit. And I was like, you know what to feel really good right now? To go back to control. No, no. Not mm. the DLC that just came out. The mm. topical. I'm okay. saying replay the entire game.
0: All right, because you, hold on. You <sighs> played that on Xbox, right? Yes. So when I sent, and you never, so I sent you a code a week and a half ago, and you never responded to tell me it was a useless code for you. <laughs> so it
3: has been a control, <laughs> well,
0: control it's not DLC useless. Code, it's not
3: useless. Been- it's going to be a little treat for me at the end of this playthrough of control. Mm. I also
0: did in my link didn't I give you a link to a full uh, there's a there was a, a game save download
3: so you could just jump into the dlc oh well that's why you should read these entire messages
0: <laughs> there was um. a <laughs> dropbox link to a save
3: sent by the beyond oh, I thought that was just assets can... oh silly uh, me. anyway point is
0: oh my god this is how you didn't find two of the fucking abilities in
3: control <laughs> <laughs> Uh, bad God. signposting. I agree. Uh, Damn. So <laughs> <Get 'em. laughs> the but the, the other reason I'm playing through it again is um, so now I'm playing it on the PC with just maxed out everything like I was like, let's let's live that ray tracing life mm. and see what see what that's all about. And it looks good. Like it is like I'm really enjoying playing through the game just to see how absurdly vivid and lifelike it real it 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 comes across and now that there's a photo mode i'm totally fucked because every single scene i have to like stop and be like i must capture this i spent like 25 minutes trying to line up the perfect picture of jesse faden regarding the vending machine with the blank the the white label packaging for all the snacks um i was just i spent like 25 minutes trying to get the shot of like the perfect nonplussed reaction to that vending machine. Uh, so that's that's one of the things I've I've been spending my time doing is photo documentary work in in the world of Control uh, <laughs> as I play through it again uh, on PC, and that's felt that's felt pretty good. Um, I also have been playing, still wrapping up Vampire. Uh, I've gotten now past where I was before, okay. uh, so now I'm is in where how far. There's, like, what, three ma- three areas? Three yeah, so now I'm late in the, way- the West End, where all the rich people okay. are. Um yeah. So I just got to, I th- what feels like a late-game decision, and, so, like, some stuff I hadn't seen before, which is uh, I got to decide what to do with a super-rich, like, magnate guy who mm-hmm. wants to become a vampire. Mm-hmm. And this... This uh really douchey club of vampires, the Ascalon Club, uh, who are very much like it's like vampires meets masons, I guess. <laughs> They're very much like, oh, well, you know, of course, as a new member, you will you will naturally uh induct this guy into our number and you'll give him the or- immortality he deserves. And I was like, I don't know about that. And then literally the next cutscene is uh sort of your guide, uh Lady Ashworth being like Dude, that guy sucks. Do not turn him into a vampire. He is an arch-capitalist shithead. And (laughs) if that guy gets immortality, we're all fucked. Um, And then you go around London and you ask everyone about, like, Hey, do you know anything about this uh, Aloysius Dawson character? And in case you haven't gotten the message, every single person in London has a strong opinion about what a piece of shit he is. Uh, So now i got to figure out how to sort of gracefully extricate myself from turning this guy into a vampire. Um, And I'm not sure, I'm not sure what options the the game is, is going to offer me. Uh, I suppose, I'm not sure if it's also just going to let me murder the guy uh, rather than turn him, but it's, I've definitely hit the stage now of the game where I'm also ready for it to wrap. Like I've, I've mastered the 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 core story
0: is not that great. And the combat is not that great. Like there's a certain, yeah, there's a certain like, Post 15 hours we're like, all right, the atmosphere is no longer really doing it for me. The side quests aren't like it's just like what was propping it up for for so long. The parts that work really well, just the spell starts to go away. And it's like, all right, time to just push forward and see this plot to its conclusion.
3: Yeah, they like they did a really good job of stretching a limited amount of resources and story yep. over you know, a pretty expansive game, but they did too good a job. Right at this point, yeah. now we are thoroughly in the uh, butter scraped over too much bread stage mm-hmm. of the experience, and there's only so many times you can go around to a district and like have the sad, uh, <laughs> the sad violin music <laughs> start up, uh, and the rain begin to fall, and people start wailing in the streets, and it's like, yeah, boys plague is oh i hate it oh it's, it's so bad uh anyway i'm just gonna i'm just gonna steal all these coins out of your house uh, do you have any look do you have any uh just random shit you need someone to do like you looking for anything around here uh oh, sorry anything about at all kid. really <laughs> yeah um so it's The game it reminds me a lot of at this point is the Darkness, the the first Darkness game. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, Because I think the Darkness had RPG elements, but fundamentally it was an action game, and as an action game, it had the good grace to wrap up pretty quickly. Like it had its it had its different acts. And it had sort of a hub and spoke structure. So you went through different parts of the sort of grief stricken, haunted New York uh, throughout the darkness. But it didn't linger over this stuff. There there weren't a ton of side quests in the darkness where, Jackie, you need to go and find that person's necklace and give it to their mom. <laughs> or don't. Maybe you want to be evil, Jackie. God. Like there wasn't that shit. Whereas <laughs> vampire is very. Is Was that all- Nemesis? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Vampire is very much about that stuff, and it's completely run out of tricks. And now I'm like keenly wishing the thing would wrap up, but also keenly wanting to replay the Order 1866 at the end of it because now I've gotten a little bored of like Rob. waistcoat and uh, facial hair like combat aesthetics in in Vampire. But I'm ready. I'm ready to go back to the source, which is the Order and that cool uh, white phosphorus gun they have. Great. I never played that game. Me either. What? I watched some you guys footage. Didn't, I watched someone. I didn't have a PS4 Diaz, at Diaz launch. Diaz posting about didn't turn you around on it? No. <laughs> that game is so good.
0: So I, I All my is just ensnared with, oh, it was very pretty, and then all the reviews were like, this is very boring to play, and so I just never got around oh, to doing anything but watching oh, just, trailers.
3: Just foolishness. Just, uh, just, just rank- <laughs> Rank what made the order good? Uh, so the order was it the mustaches? I mean, look, the game style does count for a lot, right? Um, it it very much is like Full Metal Gilbert and Sullivan. Uh huh. But I think there's something else, which is that the order is very much playing around. It's like the order is taking sort of a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen type idea where the Knights of the Round Table still exist, but now they've also invited famous historical characters to join their ranks. It's the cast of Hamilton. Well, it's uh, Lafayette, at least. He's <laughs> he's one of the guys now.
1: Has he turned uh, on the revolution yet, or which, which era of Lafayette well, so, are
3: we? <laughs> uh, this is kind of Kind of a naive fuck-up, so really could be any era. Okay, okay. Uh, But probably more French Revolution. But I think what what makes it interesting is that the Order 1866 is basically the Knights of the Round Table have been fighting an endless war, a forever war, one might say, Mm. against, like, vampire kind and threats against the English Empire for, like, literally centuries. And what do you know? Over the process of this, these embodiments of chivalric code and honor and decency have turned into just ruthlessly efficient killing machines with absolutely no capacity to question orders or direction or fit their actions into a larger context. Like the order 1866 is basically a loyal, like like a loyal commando, like unfortunately having his first original thought in literal years (laughs) and how quickly that makes him, completely anathema to the organization he serves how quickly all his friends turn on him how quickly he becomes a traitor just for the first time asking like are we just basically conducting terror raids in parts of the city to keep people in line and quash our enemies like uh-huh. does any of this serve a greater purpose and the minute he questions that he is of course on the run right. um so i it it works out pretty well like i think the game story is actually more interesting than it comes across. There is, it, it does do all the steampunk bullshit. Like your, your gadget guy is Nikola Tesla. Like, the, you're not getting right. around that. Like, oh, man, <laughs> I need to upgrade my equipment. This is the moment. What are you doing I've here? i played enough Assassin's Creed
1: games. Yeah, like, yeah, I, can I can get past that part. It.
0: That's not going to be the hang-up for
1: I, me. I am realizing so much that, that the Order 1886 is the most Waypoint 101 game we've ever I've ever looked at. <laughs> this is the sort of thing that, in a different world, we would have tried to cram into our schedules and been miserable about at the end of the month when we realized.
3: No, we it, would have loved it. Well, no, none of Rob you would have been on that show. It. Me and Dia would have done the show by ourselves. <laughs> it been great. I would have done it. Uh, this,
1: is, this looks like Binary Domain with ties. So,
3: Oh, it's so much better than Binary Domain.
1: Ooh. Uh, different strokes. I, I, I'm looking at this game and being like, well, how long is this game? This game is like five or six hours. Maybe I play this game. I don't know. Uh, well, I could buy Neo 2 and finally have someone on this site put some time into that. Instead, catch me playing <laughs> The Order 1886. Um god uh anything oh let me shout out a couple things i've not talked about the things i played uh, these are quick because uh i don't think either of them are, are dramatic big new releases um did i lose the internet connection
3: mm, no. Oh,
1: video is just weird uh, oh okay. rob is just looking down presumably at a video of the order 1886 is true love um
3: <laughs> my two no he got a mysterious phone call uh, okay oh. weird
1: I hope it's not too mysterious or scary. Two big shout-outs for me. First is Gordian Quest, a game I I already did a shout-out to a few months ago or a few weeks ago when I first started playing it. It is now out in early access on Steam. Gordian, G-O-R-D-I-A-N Quest. Gordian like the knot. I think it's a bad name. Um, uh, But I think it's a pretty good game. It's in early access. I pitched it before. It's like Slay the Spire meets Darkest Dungeon is kind of what they're going for. Um, it has there is a mode where you can play with like uh, permadeath and some other stuff, but by default, it's kind of more of an RPG campaign with a Slay the Spire style, um, uh, with a Slay the Spire style combat system and the Darkest Dungeon style, like rank and file uh, move your characters around system. Maybe a little more com- complex than that. It is extremely satisfying to play. The combat moves really quickly. It uh, it feels good to unlock new skill trees for your characters and to, like add literally drop whatever basically new sphere grids onto the onto your your sphere grid. <laughs> um, uh, I think the, like the visual design is kind of generic in some places, and the writing is is also that. Um, but it's very light, uh, and it makes for really really good. I need to put my brain on anything else for a few hours. Um uh the first act is available now um uh on Steam. It's like 18 bucks right now on Steam. Uh and I I think early access is is um you know going to going to just roll those extra extra characters and extra acts and stuff out over the next year or something like that. Uh but I think it's it's if you want to like give yourself over to a thing for 10 hours, this thing is ready for that to be to, to, to be that for you. Um, the second thing is a game that I originally played in early access. So again, that was called Gordian quest. The second thing is a game that I originally played in early access uh, and uh, having played Gordian quest, I was like, huh, I wonder what happened to that. And then like almost instantly I received uh, a message about deep sky derelicts uh, coming to console, coming to switch. And I want to say PS4 and Xbox one, but at least switch um uh this is a game that again is very much a like very much a, a indebted to darkest dungeon in terms of like feeling like the characters are uh comic gripped from a comic book page like a like a dark grim you know silver age comic uh sci-fi comic in this case it's about uh kind of scavengers in uh a a uh space uh a kind of dystopic space universe uh sci-fi universe uh, who are being sent into these ships to scout them, to recover missing parts, and inevitably, you know, eventually to locate some like ancient relic ship that you're going to recover for a ma- for like a major corporation who will pay you a lot of money. Um, it again has like a, a deck building element to it as you get um, as your equipment provides cards for you in like the same way that Gordian Quest does. Um, I think Gordian Quest is a lot more fun to play moment to moment in terms of just raw ass interaction which is so important when it comes to these sorts of like card game rpgs Uh, it needs to feel good to play a card in these games it needs to feel good to swing to, to like select an attack from your menu um but the the vibe of Deep Sky Derelicts is very good. Uh, I think it was kind of slept on because it got that early access uh, release that made everyone want to like wait for the big release, and then the big release hit on PC and like it did okay. But I think it's probably better than than. Um, I mean, it's mostly positive reviews on Steam, but it's probably better than than the attention it got, if that makes sense. I really like the feeling of like moving through these these and, and mapping out these these kind of uh, blueprints of the derelicts. Um, the kind of like tile based map setting up, um, you know, it's, you have this resource that's constantly taking down that is just like energy for your gear. Um, and you can set up like energy generators that make certain tiles free to cross over. So like you can kind of set one of those up at like the choke point or at like the entryway to a big hall. That way, whenever you're exploring this main, the main area, you're not burning through energy. There's all sorts of interesting decisions, uh, layered on top of each other. Uh, so shout outs to those two games, which have, which have been giving me the exact sort of brain scratching, uh, I need in, in these troubled times. Um, (laughs) so so yeah, those are my two, my two quick shout outs. Um, anything else we want to hit before we wrap up? Uh, uh, I want to shout out, uh, the, the room VR.
0: Um, but usually what happens is like whenever some big VR game comes out, it like, then I'm like, all right, I haven't, before I put all these cables away, like try and spend some time with, uh, other VR games. And, um, so because of half-life Alex, which I liked a lot, um, then my thought was, yes, I'm going to, yes, I'm going to get there. Austin, I'd see, I, I see just you. switched. I, I just, just switched
1: pace. the, I switched to a better link. It's fine.
0: Uh huh. Yes. No, I definitely wanted to bring that up before we, before mm-hmm. we wrapped. Um. Uh yeah, the room is a uh, started as a iPhone and iPad puzzle game. Um, with it's very uh Lovecraftian sort of uh a theme, at least aesthetic theming. Um, but the the whole attraction of the room games was that um, you know they they originally like back in like the the beginnings of people creating like sort of like touch based games. It was like the tactile feel of like interacting with an object, and so the appeal of the room was like. Here are these intricate puzzle boxes that you're, you know, spinning around and touching little pieces and, like, dragging this one around. It was the the feeling of, wa- you know, pulling one lever and watching six things spring out from this complicated uh, piece of machinery. Um, and then they built a whole universe around that. I, like, play. I loved and played, like, the first two games and then kind of fell off it after that. But I, they, they'd made a, a number of them, um, and they've been since ported to, you know, Switch and consoles and stuff like that. And I, I think it works okay on – uh, non-touch based devices but it's always been uh the case and in, in my opinion anyway that they 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 function best and feel best when you you're really just kind of like sliding your finger along sort of like the crevices of these uh of these devices and so they put out uh the room VR um a couple of days back and I played about 90 minutes of it and it's uh it's really neat um it's uh, you, it's a different sort of tactile feel. Cause obviously in this case, you're not touching a screen. You have these controllers, but like the main interaction point is gripping things. So like with the controllers, I have the, the, in, the valve index ones, um, it can detect when your fingers are resting on the controllers or if you're lifting them off. And so you can do that individually with all of your fingers, or you can like do it as kind of like as a fist. And the way the game works is like, if you're grabbing objects, you need to physically like close your hand with uh, some amount of uh, weight against the controller, which then will then grab an object. So you're doing that to, you know, grab a switch or like to, there are a lot of uh, objects where you like have to spin things around and I'm I'm having to like put my hand in weird locations to alternate between them in order to um, move things around or there's a rope that I had to pull. And so I'm doing that. And I think it works really well. Um, it's, it's, it's gimmicky in the ways that VR uh, is good at um, and the puzzles themselves are... Really, really well done. So I've enjoyed the 90 minutes I've played. If you've liked the room games before, this is another good one of those. And interacting with it in a different style has been uh, satisfying. So I I think that's on PSVR and uh, the Oculus stuff and also on Steam for various uh, headsets.
3: Awesome.
1: Uh, this thing, go ahead, Kato.
2: I was just going to ask if they got time and why so for the game.
1: We're going to uh, move on. No. This enough. story <laughs> came yeah, in. Yeah. Obvious joke is obvious. Come on. Come on. These That's games have been really coming mean. out for years. You know? You got to get that Rousseau in for the first the first one of these. <laughs> right. <laughs> get your Rousseau in where you can get it. I get it. But uh, uh, Eurogamer uh, backed up with a second report now by uh, Video Game Chronicle. Flipped around. Eurogamer
0: is backing up the original report. Oh,
1: is it? So VGC is the first one. Video Games Chronicle That's- is the first one. Uh, VGC is that is that right? Is that that is correct? Yes, mm-hmm. um, uh, yes, I see. Uh, have reported that Nintendo will be releasing several new releases, so several new re-releases, uh, uh, remasters of some Mario games.
0: Well, it sounds like they're going like the, this. Sounds like the, a lot. Suggesting Most that, the, essentially to celebrate the 35th anniversary of, of Mario, that Nintendo's going to try and get the vast majority, if not the entire Mario library on the Switch, um, to, as part of that celebration. And specifically that they're doing, uh, you know, who knows what the, you know, again, like remakes, remaster, like they're like the sliding scale on what that means can be a lot, but that, um, uh, you know, Super Mario 64, uh, Mario Sunshine, 3D World, um, Mario Galaxy, um, like 3D World specifically, apparently is going to get new levels, which is, I, have always been I've been beating this wow. drum for years that I think Super Mario Three D World is a top three Mario game um that people just haven't given its due because so many people didn't buy or spend much time on a Wii U. Um but I Super Mario Three D World is is just a truly excellent, excellent game. And um, I've been so as mu- as much as I like galaxy, I've been so more, more desperate. Like ga- people already know galaxy is good. They just want to play it again and, and have it look a little nicer. Whereas like 3d world, like just vast majority of people have no sense of how great that game is. And so the fact that that's coming back with new levels, ah, that just makes me, uh, so <laughs> excited. Um, and I guess they're also going to port the uh, number of the paper Mario games and there's yeah. a new paper Mario game coming to switch. So this would help explain Nintendo being a little bit quiet. Um, I had heard some scuttlebutt that, you know, some of this stuff was maybe supposed to be kicking off with this uh, Nintendo Direct that happened. And things have just kind of.
3: Yeah.
0: Lots of things have been thrown off for this year um, now that coronavirus has gone from being a scare to an outright pandemic. And uh, um, I think uh, I would I would back up uh, Jason Schreier's report from some weeks back. He's like, look, everything that's coming out in March and April is probably good. And then you should probably just throw your hands up at what's going to happen to the games that come after that. Yeah, um, yeah. Just because the, the thousands of people working from home, um, tens of thousands working from home is just going to th- throw things off. But this is really exciting news. I'm, I, this would be great if this all happens.
1: Yeah, honestly, they probably deserve – it probably deserves a whole big event all of its own, right? Like, hey, here's our Mario Direct. Here's What's Up With Mario. Paper Mario – like, here it is, right? That would be fun.
2: Finally, even we'll even
1: my, Mario. oh, you know what? People always say, "When does Mario get his month?" I think every month is Mario's month, and he doesn't need his own designated month. Not In my personal year. opinion,
0: Mario Sunshine, like a remaster of Mario Sunshine, I want a reason to replay. I'm also a Mario Sunshine stan. Like I've, like what? I'm, I'm here for what? Oh yeah, I, I, I like I won't go. I won't go to the the mat for it. But I I think it is it is disproportionately disliked for. Like how interesting. I, I like that game. I, like whereas 3D World, like I'll go. I'm ready to fight. Like I'm throwing yeah. it on the streets for yeah. for Mario 3D World. <laughs> Mario Sunshine is most mostly like I don't think it needs to be the punch. So like I think with Mario Sunshine, people become stands of Sunshine because people who don't like it really don't like it. So then people who liked it end up like being like, well, you're an asshole for hate. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like it because it pulls so so hard on both ends that people end up uh uh i think maybe overstating their uh like i mean i liked that game when it came out fundamentally because it was just a different way of interacting in a mario mm-hmm. space like it was just it's weird it's a it's a weird video game and so i'm hopeful that a remaster or something like that would i mean it would have to like have the controls kind of like rethought um in some ways so i'm i'm curious anyway Mario,
1: more Mario. Patrick, I need you to know that on our side, you've been cutting out from most of your beautiful defense of (laughs) Mario Sunshine. Oh,
3: I only heard enough to figure out that Patrick staked out a very bold position for something that ultimately amounted to damning Mario with faint praise uh, during that entire. Like I'm a stan. Like, yeah, it's not very good, but people who hate it hate it too much. I'm gonna (laughs) die on that
1: hill. That's yeah. That was it. That's basically. That's not.
3: Yes. You know what?
0: I'm going to go. That's that's yes. Sure. That's close enough. That's fine. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's what I heard. Um, the, uh, yeah, I, I, I am, I'm curious to see how much of a remaster is a remaster in some of these instances. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what all they could add that could, that could be very fun. Uh, or like how they change presentation stuff like that. Um, uh, also real quick, Patrick, I need you to, I need you to, to weigh in one more time on one thing that I watched you beat this weekend. Mm. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps because I watched you wrap that game up uh, and I'm yes. curious. Uh,
0: yeah, I really, you, I really like it. Or- yeah, no, I, I loved Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I think it's a, I think it's a great game that still has some technical issues that wait for the next, there's a big patch coming. It was supposed to come last week. I guess it didn't. Um, uh, so wait on that maybe. Um, but I think it's a really, really, really good game that uh, identifies a bunch of the flaws of the first game and and builds upon them tremendously uh my my problem was and I'll end up writing a blog about this this week is that like, the ending is confounding in like the moral lessons it tries to impart about I don't know victims and how they choose to like exor- like work through their abuse and with and aligning calling those things evil and calling people who are abused fundamentally evil people that choose to be evil. There's a line that hits.
1: There's a line that hits towards the very, very, very end of that game. I won't spoil what the line is, but I was shook. I was like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) like gif of that kid, like whole body convulsing and going backwards. Like that is 100%. Oh, man. Really, truly. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's it's, it's yeah. It's I'll, and I'm writing about spoiler bit about it. It was uh yeah. It, I mean, it only underscores the the story was pretty light and it got away with having a light story in the first one because uh the world and the mechanics were were, were really stellar. And in this one, they try to go a little story heavier, mm-hmm. and I think only expo- only exposes uh, some of its issues even more. And yeah, that line in particular which is a, an arc of the whole game um right. regarding yeah, like yeah. The, the main the main basically like without explicitly spoiling like the ar- the arc of the main villain when it is revealed more about their nature and what has happened to them and then where the game lands with like where the narrator like how they choose to characterize <laughs> this this villain is truly breathtaking in uh how shitty it treats the, the the like the villain is the hero. I'm I'm on their side now actually. Ori or is just this dipshit going around just wrecking stuff and maybe this this villain needs to be reconsidered.
1: Yeah. Uh well, you know, I'm glad that most of the game was still good. I, that last section I watched you play is what I wanted from earlier sections in terms of the ways in which you were like linking together so many yeah. manu- like so many uh platforming uh things together and i know again i'm not the platform person the platforming person but that stuff looked fantastic that final area seemed really really fun
0: yeah you were just like you're yeah using several moves to like keep yourself in the air in a way that uh i i wish i wish that game had more optional difficult areas where like if the main just different ways for you to, like, look, you know, hey, you want to stretch your wings out here. Like, we've set up parts of the world that are going to, you know, let you do that. Yeah. And instead of it just being the last, like, fourth of the game, um, which makes sense for the arc of it. But it's just once you get into that, like, flow state and you're using everything in front of you, oh, it's like just – it's so good. And I just wish there was – I wish there was more of it.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that that's it. I think I don't have anything else to shout out. I don't think you have anything else to – Still other news that I'm itching to talk about. I don't think, unless anyone has anyone else has anything else. I think it is time to truly finally wrap up. Go on with our Mondays. Uh, you know, the able sister shop has opened up in my town. Uh, I need to go buy some some glasses, some cool new shoes. <laughs> you know, so I I got work to do. I actually have to deal with taxes today. Today is my finally get my fucking taxes together day. Uh, yeah. So wasn't all
3: that extended.
1: Uh yes, but I have weird friends at the table means I have like a. A whole other thing to deal with, and I'd rather just get it all done now. Also, I don't know that the state of the new—I don't know what the state of my New York tax extension is. I think that might be still currently due on the fifteenth, so we'll
3: see. I don't know. That Cuomo guy seems like he's just incredible, and everyone loves him now. Uh-huh. So I'm sure he will, he will sort you I right the fuck out.
1: <laughs> I fucking cannot do this, this motherfucker.
3: Uh, We're yeah, too.
1: Don't buy the hype. If you're like, if you've been like that motherfucker, seems did you not presidential. see the
3: Jezebel thing, Patrick? no oh. do I don't want oh to it's now. about crushing andrew cuomo it's listen
1: i'm not telling you you can't crush on whoever you want to crush on crushes are bad mm. crushes are fleeting and they are mm. they are and
3: often irrational
1: and ira- often almost <laughs> just r- deeply irrational um get you into trouble if you follow them. i don't mind you being <laughs> like that man i would fuck what i care about <laughs> is would you vote for that man again? Because the answer should be no, no, because he has done everything he he he, he uh, can. To uh, completely defund, uh, uh, or not to completely defund, but to further defund uh, healthcare in this state, uh, even in a time of crisis, he has like consistently been on the wrong side of things. In many ways, uh, like his father, uh, who, well, is- who reminder uh, which I had not known until very recently, his father, uh, who is also the governor of of the great state of New York, ran on an explicitly homophobic campaign strategy uh when he when he won the governorship which is wild and people should look that up uh so i yeah the cuomo's none of them i don't want any of them in my life that's what i'm saying
3: <laughs> well i think this is the it's just very frustrating that like partic- i think the medium of getting news through television has this amazing power to erase context and the past yeah And so what we have is a shared drama where characters appear. And because, like, there are two, there are at least two men who give press conferences all the goddamn time uh, throughout the coronavirus. One of them is worryingly unfit for the job he's being asked to do. The the other other
1: one is... (laughs) There's <laughs> Donald Trump no, yeah uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we can't make that joke here because I'm No, it's, really it's terrible. so good, but it's, not, but it's, it's a not great terrible. it's a great joke,
3: but, yeah, but Cuomo projects this like bare minimum level of competence and understanding of what is the current reality in his state, and we are so thirsty for someone who's like, Holy shit, that guy, look at that guy, he's not in the fear bunker, he's out there in the world, seeing what it's like. I love that man. I would die for him. I would would die for him. And what he spent his life in public doing is completely absent from that, right? Like he shows up on like at the hour of crisis that he's spent years guaranteeing would go worse for the state of New York. His appearance on television forgives him all of that. It's it's exasperating. Well, I think it, it especially helps him because he's. He's
1: able to be the foil against two different yes. rivals, uh, Donald Trump and and Bill De Blasio, both of whom have. Uh, been much worse, and in in different ways, to the degree that Cuomo gets to like walk the walk the line here, uh, De Blasio, I think, is going to go down. Uh, I mean, people already didn't; no one really liked Bill De Blasio. He was always the lesser of, of a number of, of potential mayoral evils for us <laughs> in the in the city, uh, and uh, the way that he was so flippant in the in February about the COVID nineteen, I think, is is going to bite him. In the ass for the rest of his life, um, I think will really spoil uh, his chances in in popular politics and in big city and state and and federal politics um, because uh, he was one of the people who was the most like, hey, get out there, listen. You don't have to change it. You just have to be more careful. Social distance. Hey, here's a great movie to go see, <laughs> which is not the right attitude to take. Um, because he seemed—I I said this at the time—he wanted to come across like you know your older brother, or your best friend, more than a parental figure, yeah. more than a, 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 a figure of governance and a figure who is willing to, to make a hard call. Meanwhile, uh, Trump has has really moved between conspiracy theorist and authoritarian uh, at, to the degree that now uh, he is explicitly. Victimizing, putting Cuomo in the position of victim, letting Cuomo play the victim uh, when in fact the real victims are the people of New York. Uh, in which uh, Trump is now uh, asymmetrically uh, assigning aid to different states. Which, if you haven't read about this, which is a pattern he's already established. Yeah, of course. Yes, 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 yes. He'd already been playing favorites, but I think people expect that to be. I think. I think so many people have a low key, um, have like a low key realist in them, where they're like, well, everybody. It, it, there's like a little David Plotz on everyone's shoulder that says, "Listen, <laughs> it's human nature to have favorites. And in any given administration, there's going to be you know fluctuations based on personal relationships, and that's just the way it is. And what you need to do is build those relationships. Part of a good governor is to is to have a good relationship with the federal branch and da 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 da. da. But I think a lot of people expect that to go out the window when a crisis happens and the president goes, all right, get it done, like help everybody. And in this case, what Trump has done is not done that at all in such a way that uh, the discrepancy between what states like New York are getting and states like Florida are, are getting in terms of what the requested aid is, is remarkable, is like scary. Um, uh, it it fe- like this is it truly, really is this, this sort of necropolitical stuff uh, where the the those in power are, are able to wield the the kind of weapon uh, the the control over death by by determining who gets the bi- the
3: bare necessities of life right um, well, and, this and this to keep is, their hands clean governor, while doing it and this is something governor can't really like governor can right. go pick a fight on the airwaves and yes. see how that works out maybe it will maybe it won't but this is really a fight that like. Honestly, if anyone should have been lowering the boom on this shit, it probably would have been Nancy Pelosi these last couple of years like, ever since she took control of the house, right? Like, no, no, no. If we earmark funds for a thing, it's going like you are paying Puerto Rico or nothing else is happening, yes. right? Like we, we said this money has to go here. That's not up for debate. We control the, the federal budget. That money is going out to the people it's meant for. Yep. And when that, when that line wasn't defended... The door opened to this. And once again, we're seeing the money get fucked with. And instead of any sort of hardball negotiation, we saw the CARES Act, uh, which was, my God, won't someone think of the banks? Someone won't please. Some- <laughs> won't someone think of Boeing?
1: Will someone please listen, they're bad at making planes already. <laughs> what if we could give them money now so that they could waste this also? Please. Ah uh, fuck! we can't get into the cares act we we don't have the time
3: uh I we don't. can't
1: shout out the instacart strikers though, good for them, yeah, absolutely yeah. good for them. that started today, correct
3: yeah, uh, uh so which it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh because as I understand, instacart was already at a huge backlog for orders um I'm not sure if that's national, but I do know that in in this area, I was talking to uh So I have a shopper who is ex-Instacart. I use a service called Dumpling, uh, which is pretty cool. You sort of have a direct relationship with a shopper. Uh, They get a higher cut and pretty much all the tips. There's no in-store markup. I like it. Um, It seems like a pretty young service, but it seems Uh, Mm worker-oriented. It seems like a cool alternative. But I was talking to one of the shoppers, and they were saying that Instacart around here is basically asking you to schedule your delivery orders like two weeks out. Uh, so I'm really curious to see how this how the strike plays out because it has the potential to be especially disruptive. Uh, but the thing that does scare me is also, man, if you've been waiting two weeks for your order and the strike happens, that's going to like there are people depending on orders and they're going to be in an awkward position. I think the strike is absolutely right, and this is on Instacart, uh-huh. but it's one of those places where the effects of it do get sticky, right? Like there there is no way to there is no way to hold this line. Without inconveniencing some people uh, in in the short term to defend the, self, the safety and well-being of a larger group over time.
1: Oh, what a fucking time. Uh, to all of you listening out there, I hope you are all staying safe. Uh, for those many of you who I know are going to work still because you were in an essential job or because – Uh, You're in a place where there have not been safety regulations put in place that, that, uh, you know, keep you at home uh, or where you literally are in a position where stopping work right now is impossible or or not going into the workplace would be impossible for you financially. And then, you know, you don't have any other way of of making money right now. I, you know, hearts go out to you. uh, Hearts go out to those of you who are working from home or staying home. Uh, Be safe. Uh, Take the precautionary measures that that uh, you've been informed are the right ones for your for your situation. Uh, You know that our hearts are with you. Uh, Unfortunately, that does not keep you safe. All it can do is hopefully boost your morale a little bit. Um, We'll be back later this week with more. Uh, uh, I'm going to play some Mountain Blade. I don't know what else. What else (laughs) is is shit out this week? Is is what is RE three the big thing? RE three was the big thing this week, right? Yeah, but it's not out till Friday. Okay, so Nathan. so I will not weigh in on that, but that's fine. uh I hope everyone out there who's settling into their animal crossing routines is is uh having a good day and having a good time. I hope I hope that your island is as as peaceful and and beautiful as as those of ours are here um let's get into April. Here's what I wanna say when we next record this podcast, it's gonna be April. April's gonna bring a new energy. April's oh, gonna we're gonna turn this ship around. I gotta catch a string. Of- I feel like you're okay. cursing
3: us. April is yep. it? I feel Listen. like in the in the movie version of this, you just said that, and we hard cut uh-huh. to like <laughs> mid-April, and yeah, uh. Rob is covered covered in bacteria. <laughs> it's like
0: I tried to cut. Co- what is the culture? I'm the culture I'm the now. Culture.
3: Yeah, exactly. Don't you <laughs> want to see <gasps> my <Starters>. starter? Bread, <laughs> yeah, Red. starter.
1: yeah exactly (laughs) all right uh that's gonna do it for us thanks everyone uh as always thank you to bowen for letting us use the track miss you off the ep Pale machine find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash boen you can find me on twitter at austin underscore walker how about you kato
2: at a underscore kato underscore appears
1: rob they're baking me (laughs)
3: let me out of here
2: (laughs) (laughs) and patrick
1: (laughs) Half at your club. (laughs) God. As always, you can find everything we do, twitter.com, slash waypoint, waypoint waypoint.vice.com. As always, also, also as always, fuck capitalism. Go home, if you're allowed to. Otherwise, good luck in your workplace. Uh, Peace. (laughs)
2: This fucking right. tasty video has to exist. It I does. Can't. I looked all over. Looked it has over. to I be real. I remember it I so looked vividly.
1: All I looked all over.
2: It <laughs> was a layer of bread and then pepperoni and yeah. then cheese and then like fucking shredded this is chicken a that you have. or something in here shredded and then bread chicken. and then fucking uh,
3: okay. Oreos well, right. well, Okay. You keep looking. You keep looking.
1: You keep us in the loop. Have a good one. <laughs> bye bye bye. Hi Take Mia. Care. Hi. Bye bye bye. <laughs> oh. Bye rob hey
2: you also sound a little peaky austin
1: just a touch okay um awesome sounds fine to me that's pop i mean i'm looking at my waveforms they seem pretty okay let me bring it down a little <coughs> bit to touch all right um I
2: think sounds better
1: yep yeah. Uh, the nice thing here, though, is you know that like terrible sound that make that I make sometimes by mistake because I hit a wire. That is fixed now, so oh, that nice. is the mic arm. So that <laughs> is at least gone. Yeah. Um. All
3: right. Uh, let me. For time that is. and also let me get a backup going. Boom. All right. Backup recording. Okay. Uh, y'all ready to clap? No. Uh yep.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: All right, now I'm ready. All right. Uh fifteen. Good for us.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh. I thought you said "good for us," and then I realized you said "it froze." Good for us. i like, damn, yeah. mean either. Like, damn, that was a good clap. Good for us. Well done. <laughs> so do we need another clap, <laughs> Rob? <laughs> Rob's
0: like uh, quarantine isolation story is that he's not, he's fraying at all edges at this point.
1: Buddy. <laughs> uh, Rob, need another second? time signature. Need another,
3: yeah, 45. Yeah. Let's do 45. There we go. That's a clap. Did we, though? Rob?
1: Rob clapped. Rob clapped. Okay. I'm going to roll right into it. I'm going to roll right into it. We're going to power through. (laughs) Uh, uh, I like that my possible episode title list is still just that time Rob said,
3: some asshole with
1: hands. Which I don't (laughs) even know what the reference was, but was a great line. Um,
3: Oh, that's my description of the Tasty Videos aesthetic.
1: Right. Yes, of course.
3: (laughs) Which... Actually is a fair description of Tasty videos. Yeah, 100%. Like, look at those pieces of shit uh, yeah. and tell me the predominant, like, who is the author? Who knows? Who knows? It's some asshole with hands making yeah. something that will not work that well.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. that's perfect. Fuck. All right.